Saturday mornings, uh, every Saturday morning I wake up, and the first thing I do without even thinking, put on ESPN and watch College Game Day. Uh, if you don't know what College Game Day is, um, College Game Day is a, is a morning pregame show for all of college football that's about to happen uh, during the day. It's basically two hours of being able to geek out about college football, and if you hadn't noticed, I like college football, right? Um, one of, the, one of the unique things about this show, though, is that it travels from campus to campus to campus throughout the course of the year because they always go and visit the next big game. And when they do this, they go live on campus. And of course, you got a bunch of uh, the, the future of the United States you know, workforce standing behind with signs and out really early in the morning and just being really, really goofy and loud. Uh, and yes, I was one of those students when they would go to LSU. Um, uh, just a very way, good, another good way to make my mom proud of me. Um, what you do though is, is like, like they would make these signs and it was always like, a, it's always got some jokes and different things behind it. Like one year, uh, I went out for college game day. They come to LSU, we're playing Florida. Uh, I went out super early. It was great. And now the, the main sponsor of this show is called is the Home Depot, right? It's college game day built by the Home Depot. Uh, everything, everything there is orange, right? Bright orange. Make sure everybody can see it, right? Um, the commercials, you always got Home Depot, Home Depot. Like the Home Depot is the sponsor of this show. So when I went out as a college student, I go out nice and early, sneak on in with everybody else. It's great. And what sign did I make? Lowe's. <laughs> um, uh, needless to say, <laughs> as some executive producers from ESPN that wasn't very happy with me, <laughs> but it turned into a game. I would be on one side and waiting for the camera to hit the crowd. I'd throw the low sign up. Everybody would see it. They would start laughing. Then I'd hurry up and hide it in the crowd, and I'd run over to the other side of the crowd. The executive producers are just looking around for the one guy that's holding the low sign. It was like 90 minutes of amazing. <laughs> um, but it was... Uh, so it... I, just saying, like, and, and of course, hey, mom, did you TiVo it? Like, making sure that, like, can we go back and watch and see me as an idiot at 20 years old, uh, and like 29, but 20 years old, uh, holding this low sign up at a college game day. Now, these signs, though, they, they usually they have, like, they, people will watch and they'll see, like, a, a, a joke about a coach or they'll see a joke about a couple of players or something like that. But one, one this past week, um, so not yesterday, but uh, eight days ago, there was a sign. Now, you may have seen this on the news, but there was a sign that this guy basically, um, in the very much so in the spirit of how I was a college student, was asking for money for, let us say, uh, refreshments. Um, you know what I mean? He was asking for beer money, right? Like, um, he's out at this, he's out on campus. He puts on a sign, Venmo me at blah. So if you don't know what Venmo is, Venmo is this app where you can send money. Um, Venmo me at this name so I can, for beer money, is basically what he was saying. For bush light, it's running low, right? So it's kind of a joke. Like, it's, it's a guy asking for beer money at a college football thing. And people play into the joke. So they're sending him a couple of dollars. And now you start seeing his account grow, and he's getting $10, $20, 30 and All of a sudden, it turns into a couple, $100, dollars 2 3 At about $1,600, the guy put out a message, and he said, hey, I, I was on TV with my sign. Thank y'all so much for the support, but 
I can't spend $1,600 on beer. Like, what I'm going to do, though, is, is I'm going to take the money and I'm going to donate it to the on-campus children's hospital at Iowa. They were in Iowa. Well, now all of a sudden, 16 turned into 5,000, and 5,000 turned into 10,000, and 10 turned into 20, 20, 30, 30 to 40. And then he gets a word from both Venmo, the, the, the app that he was using, and Anheuser-Busch that they're both ready to match whatever he raises. So because of one college student doing a joke on a morning show, a children's hospital is going to receive about $200,000 as a donation. Now, when I hear that, and I, I think of today's readings, I, I think of, I'll be honest, as a college student, if somebody would have said they're sending me money just freely like that, I don't, I don't know if I would have been that noble. Think about a college student. Usually you don't have two nickels to rub together. Um, usually mom and dad are, are those three-letter words are traded in for three more letters known as ATM, right? Um, like, hey, mom, I need money. Hey, dad, can you fill my account? Hey, mom, I need money, right? So this is just the life of college students is you don't really have much. And if somebody's going to freely hand you $1,000, $2,000, that's a big deal. Like, that, that, that's, a, that's, that's a semester of books. That's a couple of months of rent. If somebody's going to freely hand you a couple of thousand dollars, and if that money would all of a sudden become into the tens and twenties like it did, like, you're talking about my whole education. Covered. And it would have been right. It, it would have been completely right for him to just say, I'm going to keep it. And I'm going to use it on something else. Now, I'm sure this guy had other things and other things going on, but like, if you think about it, today's reading is exactly about what he did. Whether he knew it or not, he was following what Christ is talking about in today's reading. Like, can you be trusted with worldly possessions, worldly wealth, or, like, like and, and, and can you invest that into heavenly wealth? Because we can't serve both God and mammon. A couple years ago, uh, when I was in the seminary, I had the opportunity to go to Guatemala for a mission trip. And when we landed in Guatemala, we went to Guatemala City, and we met with a group of teachers before we went out to the villages that we were going to serve. So we're meeting with these teachers, and the teachers were asking us very plainly, they said, Did you, are, what are y'all excited about? Like, what are y'all excited about doing on this mission trip? Like, what, what's the grace that you want God to give you on this mission trip? And I remember sitting back and kind of thinking for a second and telling them, like, I can't wait to go and serve these people and fix their situation. I can't wait to go to this trip, go to somebody's house and fix their situation, to help get them out of poverty, to fix their stuff. And the teacher looked at me. She kind of had a little cross look at me, and she says, please do not go with the savior complex. And I looked at her and I was like, what do you mean? She says, please don't go with the idea that you are there to fix them. But instead, go to receive. Now, I didn't quite know what she meant. I, I still left that room. I, I left that meeting that night and was thinking, man, 
I mean, we, go, we hear. We, we're going to fix stuff. We're going to do stuff. Until I walked into Dolores' house, and it was a 10 by 10 shack, dirt floor, metal walls, metal ceiling, sheet metal, holes in it. I walked in. The woman has no money, barely anything to, like, like two, can't find two nickels to, to rub together. And before anything, what she did, she pulled the best stool that she could find and told us all to sit, four men, made us each a cup of coffee and gave us a piece of bread. Now, while I was eating that piece of bread and drinking that cup of coffee, I realized this is what the teacher was talking about. Like receive, be, recognize, let them show you what real generosity looks like. Because it's given from poverty. It's given from nothing. This woman may not be able to buy food for the rest of the week, but she's giving to us a piece of bread and a cup of coffee. She's given to us the best she's got because we just happen to be stopping by. You see, I think for us, sometimes there was, a, uh, there was a cardinal in Central America that once said, you know, the poor, I'm not worried about. Somebody asked him, said, like, aren't you worried about, there's so many poor, so many destitute people, aren't you worried about them? And he said, I'm not worried about the poor, because the poor know they need God. The people I'm worried about are those who have everything that they need. Like, if we think about it, the, 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 old, the old Testament, they had this theme in the, in the Jewish culture of giving first fruits to God. The idea of giving first fruits to God is an, is an exercise in trust. Because in a, in, a, in a society where you're raising crops and that's your livelihood, when you have to give first fruits of those crops to God, you don't know if you're getting a second crop. You don't know if you're getting second fruits or third fruits that you can make your living off of. So you're giving your first fruits to God and trusting that he's going to take care of you. Many Protestant denominations, they make you turn in a, a, turn in a pay slip. Why? Because, because they want to make sure you're giving 10% so you feel it. Because they're saying you're going to give and we're going to give to the point of feeling it because we're going to trust God after the fact. That he's going to take care of, take care of us after the fact. It's that whole theme of tithing. I'm not saying that we're going to be turning in pay stubs today, so don't think about that. But there's something, there's something to be said in both of these situations. Where when, we, where when we give, we give until we feel it. We should be giving until we feel it. And that's not just money, that's, that's not just, but what it does is it, it keeps us from having all of our trust in money, or all of our trust in our power, all of our trust in our ability. What it does is it keeps us focused and recognizing that God has to be a part of the equation. You know, if we think about it, for years, as a kid, we're taught to always be preparing for something else. If you're, when you're in lower elementary school, you're preparing for upper elementary. When you're in upper elementary school, you're preparing for middle school, middle school, high school, high school, college, college, workforce, workforce, family life, family life. Now I get to rest. It's called retirement. <laughs> We're always preparing for the next thing, the next thing, the next thing. But how are we doing in preparing for the next life? 
How are we doing in preparing, not for the treasures of this, not preparing and storing up the treasures in this world, but preparing for the next life? Because quite honestly, that bill can come up anytime. We don't know if we have a week. We don't know if we have a day. We don't know if we have the rest of today. How am I doing, and I think it's for all of us to reflect on, how am I doing today in preparing for the next life? Because the reality is, is that the stuff we have here is passing. Everything that we have on this side of the grave is passing and we can't take it with us. And that's what that lady taught me so many years ago in a shack in the middle of Escapulas, Guatemala. Was that the things that truly make us rich, and that's what makes, that's what makes mission trips so beautiful, is that when we get to go and experience another culture, we get to see whenever they, we, we might be going to the quote unquote third world, but man, they are rich in so much more. They recognize that God is the source of faith and hope and love. And they recognize what it means to truly have compassion on another person or truly be generous from their poverty or to give and to give until it hurts and they feel it. In so many ways, the poor teach us how to rely on God. Because we, our culture, generally have everything we need. So the question I have for all of us today, what do we trust in? What do we trust in? So often, if we remove God from, if our day-to-day life removes God from the equations, what's going to happen is, is that we're going to trust in two places. We're going to either trust in our money, which is interesting, because on our money it says, in God we trust. But we're either going to trust in our money or we're going to trust in our politics, our candidate. Ooh, they just, it just got like really tense. <laughs> but it's, again, interesting, because in the chamber of Congress, Congress's chambers, over the speaker's microphone, again it says, in God we trust. We, we're going to trust in one of two places if we remove God from the equation. So where does our trust lie? Is it in our cash? Is it in our candidate? Or is it in our Christ? Because the reality is is that God today is going to show us again how generous he is. He's going to show us again in our life how generous he is, how much he wants to work in our life, how much he wants to be involved in our life, because he's going to step down from heaven to here on this altar and give himself to you again. giving himself again to us a complete act of generosity from his poverty (laughs) to meet ours. God today comes to give himself to us. So where does your trust lie? Where does your trust lie? My power, my wealth, my status, or is it in my Lord who loves me enough to die for me and give himself to me again? Amen.